Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing. Yeah, I think the thing which I've taken away from it is a sense of love and fellowship between these palace servants who have given up a conventional life to serve the emperor and the emperor himself. Um, and it's, they've, they've been the person who dresses him, the person who guards him, that kind of thing, the person who writes his letters. Um, and it's, they've, they've made this own little community and a huge, huge amount of humour in it as well because you can get the perspective even though it's all from Cleopas' point of view, you do understand their perspective on him because he's self-aware enough to know when they're sort of manipulating him to, into a yet more ridiculous outfit for some <laughs> ceremony or something. Yeah, that's absolutely lovely. So uh, you've answered the question as you're in this one, you were character-led, but do you swap your um, technique depending on what sort of genre you've decided to write in in your extended world? Would you in another one, for example plotted out more entirely to a certain degree in general I'm a character-led writer and um even with like the Stargate's Epi and the Greenwing and Dark books are more plot driven um but even there I tend to kind of focus on the character more I tend to be a writer into I write into the dark um which is to say I, I I'm an exploratory writer um as I said I usually know kind of where I want the story to end and I know how it fits into my overarching kind of uh world building but I leave a lot of it up to to just figuring it out as I go along and I find that I find that very fun I enjoy that process um you, yes I would say I'm normally character <laughs> character led <laughs> so do you I mean the Arguably, the sort of very special thing about fantasy and science fiction is that you do your own world building, though, of course, in historical fiction, you're also building a world in a sense. But anyway, it's clearly more of a world building task. Do you have any um, tips for people who are wanting to write their own fantasy, um, how to organize or approach world building? Well, I wouldn't say I'm very organized about it. People are forever asking me if I have maps and things like that. And I'm kind of like, well, no, I have sort of sketches that I've done on the back of a piece of an envelope kind of thing. I'm not I'm not very organized. Um, I don't have a binder of all the useful measurements and stuff like that, which uh, I probably could do with. Um, it's one of those things I keep thinking I should go back and like make an actual, make more notes for myself. I keep a lot of it in my head. But from that point of view, one thing I do find is, as I said, I try and draw from like less obvious sources 
And for me, that's often, um, I read a lot of, of sort of micro histories, I guess you could say, about specific things and try and build out from there. That's one element. So, you know, you read a history of, oh, garden design or costumes or, um, I don't know, just looking at my bookshelves here, even something like um, topiary or, you know, the history of the teapots or something like that. And like, they sound very silly, but and very, very, very precise. But at the same time, if you kind of think about, well, where did they come from? Who builds those, you know, give your characters slightly different things to do, because that's more fun too. like, you know, like, some, like, you know, where's the cloth coming from? Where's the food coming from? Where's the water coming? How is it being cleaned or not cleaned? You know, what effects does that have? Where's the waste going? I once, um, <laughs> once went to the sewer museum in Paris and that has ever after made me question this this thing about like where is the water purification system how is that working you know that could be working by magic that's how it's working in Zuni then um in other places it's it's not you know it's much more traditional like uh you know um sort of refused and rubbish rubbish but that matters so that's one element I do and the other part that I find is if I've made a mistake or something that seemed like you know if you're like Oh, in that book, I said this. And then in this book, I said the other thing. And they those seem to directly contradict each other. And, you know, if it's a work in progress, the logical thing is to fix the one that's a work in progress. But I often find that if you stop and say to yourself, no, wait a moment, how can those both be true? You know, what can I do to make those both work? Is that because person A misunderstood it or person B understands it better or there's something bigger that those are both kind of elements of or you know, like that kind of thing, I find that adds a real depth and nuance to the world. Because like, if I've, I'm one of those people that I find if I do too much, like, um, too much like front of brain world building, it becomes a little too smooth. And there's not like a lot of the nooks and crannies in it for me. Whereas I find if you do kind of the back end world building as you go, and try and let it grow out logically out of kind of something unusual that it becomes much richer so for me that's something I enjoy and I try really hard to visualize um places I'm not always great at that I'm better with um gardens that's a kind of a hobby of mine is gardening and so I really think about the the like ecology of a place and what that might feel like and look up that kind of stuff so I guess for world building if you make a mistake it can be an opportunity um to make it much richer yeah Oh, that's really interesting. I haven't heard anyone say it like that, actually. Um, so how was your journey to publishing? What what route have you taken? Well, I decided um, decided I was going to do kind of the indie publishing side, largely because I wanted to write these interconnected stories and I wanted to be in control of what I was writing and when. And when I kind of really became serious about writing was when that, it was just after the kind of first flush of that and the kind of, you know, 2012 was really when it kind of started to really pick up. And I had a friend who was much more um, aware of how self-publishing and indie publishing was going. And we'd spend a lot of time talking about it at that point. And I thought to myself, because I wasn't writing conventional stories, because I like these ones that are like around the corners of the epic quest and things like that, that I thought, you know, that's really something I want to do. I don't want somebody to tell me that that's not like a going to sell because it's not a conventional story, you know, and um, which is a real concern because of course they're trying to, there are businesses and they're trying to make money back as well. Whereas if I was 
willing to do it myself. I could, you know, if I have something that nobody likes because it's a very strange book, then that's okay. That's mine. So for me, it was that. And then I've just spent, you know, I probably spent the last six or seven years working on building up my, um, my works. And, um, for me, what I did was I, I kind of decided to take the approach that my stories are interconnected and my style is fairly consistent. Um, my, or I guess my, my voice, my authorial voice is fairly consistent across, across my books, even when they're in somewhat different genres. And I thought to myself, you know, if, if somebody likes one of my books, they're largely going to like most of them or all of them. They're going to go and read the other ones. And so my general plan was basically to just keep writing them until I got to some sort of hopefully um, level where there were enough that and enough readers coming in that um, people would be, you know, enjoying finding the others. And that's worked. I am going full time writing this week. So I'm pretty oh, pleased with that. Yeah, Thank you. So I basically um, just work with that. <laughs> so how do you um, manage with the editing and all that kind of stuff have you got a, a team of beta readers behind you well, I'm a one one reader kind of person um I like standing I do have I do have a couple people that other author friends particularly um and we kind of trade reading and talking about plots and, and kind of craft level things. And then I um, have somebody to do kind of copy editing of some form once we get yeah. to that point. I lay out in the cover design myself. <laughs> so I've been yeah. working on that. And um, that's something I may well outsource in future, but I enjoy it. And I enjoy the the kind of that process of it too. So yeah. So for me, um, yeah, so that's how I do it, basically. So what next for you? Are you um, remaining in your extensive world? Are you, where are you going? I am remaining so in my extensive world. Somewhere else. Um, well, actually, I'm writing a, I've been working on a sequel to The Hands of the Emperor for the last couple of years. And this is, I'm kind of moving to focusing on that um, over the summer. So I'm hoping that will be out in probably late October, early November is, is the goal with that one going to be another big honking book so i'm not giving an exact date until it's a little closer to completion it's it's more than halfway done right now but um you never know the the kind of the final throws every once in a while you write something and you realize the story's gone way off to a different direction that's much better and you have to throw out a whole bunch of it in order to make that work so that could still happen and um so i'm working on that the on the book i just had coming out come out last week is called uh the redoubtable pally of ramapool which is um kind of the second in a in a new series um, about the Red Company. And so I'll be working on that. And there should be another Green Wing and Dart later this year or beginning of next year as well. So keep on going with those ones. The Green Wing and Dart series is at six and I think there'll probably be 12 by the end time that that one's done. So just sort of poke along with those. I'm one of the, I don't like writing the same character point of view back to back. I find it much better to switch to a new character. And so I tend to, to skip around a little bit like that. We'll put a link to your uh, website in the show notes so people can come and find all these books and uh, decide which one they're going to start with. So um, stargazy pie, for people who don't know, is actually a real dish that you would find, a traditional dish from I think Cornwall, uh, in fact. And it's um, a pie where it's the pastry is laid so that the fish and head and tail poke out as though it's sort of breaking through from the crust. So in our 
podcast, we always end up with where in all the fantasy worlds is the best place for something. And I thought I would ask you um, for where in all the fantasy worlds that you've seen on television and films or read about in books, where do you think has the best sort of speciality dishes that, uh, you know, you'd like to sample? Well, surely we all want to eat the meal that Bilbo produces for the for the dwarves, right? I, I made CD yeah. cake as a result of that particular um, encounter. That one's always been the one that those stories and um, some of the ones in the Narnia books too, to be honest, I've always loved the food descriptions in, in both of those, those books. Otherwise, I don't know. Like, I feel like in some ways those are really high points in terms of food descriptions. Um, you know, it's, it's like that meal that Shasta gets given in the horse and his boy. Um, is you know like that he's the first time he's ever had okay. half of this stuff. you know and like you know the description of the wine and all that kind of stuff but yeah and Bilbo's thing and then I've also always you know the the picnic in the wind in the willows those are the classic kind of British ones and I I don't know I'm not sure that there's been a lot more that that kind of peek over those but um I, I was reflecting on this not long ago and thinking that I really needed to up my um food descriptions something kind of work on that a little bit more really have some sort of great feasts that are like but not necessarily like spectacular banquets, but just really delightful dishes. Um, yeah, and they can be used for comic effect as well. I, for me, the one I was going to pick is comes in the film Galaxy Quest. Have you ever seen that? It's one of my favorite oh, films. Oh, that is a very funny one. The bit where they're all giving, where they're giving them what are theoretically all their like fat, their yeah. regional specialties for the characters they are. That is such a funny yeah. movie. I really enjoy that. So I like just that. for those of you who haven't seen it, what happens there is uh, an alien culture has taken a television sci-fi series as being historical. So when the characters are taken by this culture to try and help them solve a sort of baddie problem they've got, they've built ev everything for real. And this is all very well for the human characters who are given, I don't know, burgers and French fries or whatever. Um, but poor old Alan Rickman, uh, his character, Dr. Lazarus, is given this this sort of soup terrine of live bugs uh, <laughs> which are crawling out and he's supposed to eat this because on the programme that was supposed to be his uh, his food. It's just hilarious. And, of course, nobody did sardonic better than Alan Rickman. Uh, much missed. Yeah, so that's my pick. Victoria, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And it's a delight to find somebody who has taken a lot of her inspirations from the Inkling writers and from, of course, we uh, we also mentioned briefly Dorothy L. Sayers, but you've said that she's another person who that you've really enjoyed um, reading on your route to your own writing. So it's been wonderful to meet you. And thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you very much. I thank you for having me. I'm I'm delighted you enjoyed the Hands of the Emperor, and I hope uh, a few of your readers do as well. And uh, yeah, the Inklings have been a huge part of my of my formation as a as a writer. And um, in many ways, I kind of keep reflecting back on them. Probably the Green Wing and Dart ones are a little books are a little more obvious, especially as you get later on into the series. You will see some much clearer kind of echoes of of some of the C.S. Lewis and elements in particular, but. Overall, the questions that they raise and the and the joy they have in description and in food and in characters, and world building is something that I've always really, really admired. So thank you. Really enjoyed getting the chance to talk to you about this. Thank you very much. Welcome. Okay.
Thanks for listening to MythMakers Podcast, brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit OxfordCentreForFantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in-person stays in Oxford, plus visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favourite podcasts worldwide. Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies, and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing.